listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare Junkhead! With Genius McGee and Greg D. I'm Gigi Saul Guerrero from Lucha Gore Productions. Ah! Gore is love, baby. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that has miles to go before it sleeps. Do you hear me, Butterfly? Miles to go before we sleep. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're kicking off the month of December by talking some of our favorite death in the title movies, and we start by taking a test drive with Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. Boom, boom. And whether or not you dig nachos, you can listen to our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your foothole. <sighs> the, f- <laughs> the first of many feet references, sadly. And of course, if you're out on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on the Book of Face where we have an events tab, which again leads to shenanigans and carnanigans. This episode is releasing on Friday, December 4th. Screenland Armor, they have you now taken care of just indoors. Right. And virtually. Toros have come in and yes, it's it, it's cold. It's good to be back indoors. <laughs> and as this episode is on uh, Friday, our latest Friday Night Fright is a little bit different this time. Mm-hmm. But you talk about the frigid air. Yes. When I think of a cold horror film, I go right to this one. We're doing an interesting double feature, and we're starting with a film that is technically celebrating its 40th year of horror. That's nuts. Very nuts to think. Stanley Kubrick's The Shinning. Thank you, good sir. Making The Shinning. We don't want to get sued. We're taking care of our legalities here. (laughs) A movie that shockingly went out in the first round of this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. Uh, yes, it, it was a shock to many a people, but I, I stand by what we say. Listen, whether you like The Shinnin' or The Fog, you can't go wrong. But what's the other part of the double feature? Then we're going to be following up with the sequel, Dr. Sleep. Ooh, I like Dr. Sleep a lot. Go back to our episode where we talked it. Yeah, I've and I haven't watched it since. Me neither, but you know, it still left a good impression. I, I want to go back to it and see like the adventures of Rose the Hat again, but like yeah. 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 Oh yeah, no again. Ha ha ha. But good if you want to see them back to back, that's a way to do it. And then the next uh next week's Friday Night Fright, another double feature here, but Another one, and another film celebrating its 30th year, which mm-hmm. we did talk on this year's... In fact, it went all the way to the championship round. Because the, the, we're showing a movie and its sequel that is better than the first movie. We will get increasingly better, are you yes, saying? Yes, exactly. And I'm looking forward to part three coming up, too. Gremlins and Gremlins 2, the new batch. <laughs> no, It's no caca. Love it, love it, love it. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Come for the puppetry, stay for the Frank Welker. Exactly, exactly. But then that following night on Saturday, December 5th, National Krampus Day, Ach. means we're going to be screening 2015's Krampus. Krampus. I thoroughly dig. I think we should just give uh, Mike Dougherty all the, the holidays, like every single one, like here, take it and run. He's doing a what, two for two at this point? Yeah. If he does, if he, re- he, re- he should remake Leprechaun. St. Patrick's Day. It would be great. There are so many entries in the Leprechaun series, though. But not his. It'd be dope. Or if he did a different Leprechaun. Or, or like, I would like to see his take on um, the Easter Bunny. Or maybe he makes a slasher for Columbus Day because, like, he was a monster. So we might as well make him a monster. Why don't we get a wood monster on Arbor Day? There we go. A there tree monster, tree I should mon- say. Okay. Wood monster. <laughs> that's a that's a different movie. That's the that's the that's the X parody. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of a movie that's kind of easy to parody, and one that's and I've seen that is David Lynch's Lost Highway. That movie, I have seen that as well. I don't know if I was either too scared or too weirded out by the trailer to be to see that movie yet, because you know when you got, I mean, even the trailer looks batshit insane, you know. 
Well, it, it's um. What was it? Music by Billy Corrigan. Well, it's also convicted murderer Blake. Uh, what is his name? Oh, Robert Blake. Robert Blake. Yeah. Yeah. So and he's terrifying. Yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, he's convicted murderer. You know. But imagine just. Excuse me, Mister Blake. Uh, I need you to look more ghoulish. Add more rouge to the corpse. <laughs> uh, I cannot wait to see it up on the big screen. But then save the date, Friday, December eighteenth. We didn't think it was going to happen, much like Nerdoween. But it's happening. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. And he might come down the chimney with an axe. And fuck you up. Yes. <laughs> Christmas with the Nerds is back. Going to be at Screenland Armor. on. It's going to be a little bit different. We're doing it on a Friday. Mm-hmm. It's going to start at 6 o'clock, mm-hmm. much like we do in the past. We have three holiday films yes yeah yes yes they are actually very much they're 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 christmas movies but to show you what kind of christmas movies we're talking about movies we've shown in the past oh goodness the nerds was like i come in peace uh everly rare exports silent night deadly night santa's sleigh uh cobra yeah, yeah, oh, Cobra, absolutely. That, so, uh, I think that ended last year's, didn't yeah, it? so we run the gambit. So when people say, oh, Die Hard's not a Christmas movie, one, yes, it is. Yep. And two, here's a bunch of other ones you should seek out. These are the ones that you can impress your friends with, ideally. Mm-hmm. And the lineup we have this year, I'm really happy with. One of them for me, though, is going to be a first-time viewing. Yeah? Yes. Excellent. I'm excited for this Our one. closer is. Mm-hmm. But our first two, oh, I'm going to bat four. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's totally. been a long time since I've seen one of them. Mm-hmm. I love the other one. And the other one that the, I've seen that, I think you're really going to dig. I think you guys will really, really enjoy them. But also then, on the 18th, we're, do, we're uh, that following uh, Saturday... Our latest Shutter shout-out, uh-huh. Tis the Season, mm-hmm. where we're going to be looking at some holiday horror. Better watch out. Oh, yes. <laughs> All the Creatures Were Stirring, mm-hmm. horror anthology from David and Rebecca McKendry, and then, oh, goodness. J'ai le bon. Deadly Games, oh, a.k.a. <laughs> dial Code Santa Claus. Which we both had a chance to see for the first time last year. The movie is nuts. Beyond nuts. And then I believe All the Creatures Are Stirring is going to be your first time viewing. Yes, I'm excited for that. It's one, it's anthology. Yes. So check. Two, it's Christmas. So check. I love Christmas horror and I love anthologies. Three, the secret check you didn't know you needed, Reindeer Jallo. <gasps> check, check. Absolutely. Check, check. <laughs> Now, of course, we're going to be streaming through Shutter, and you, of course, can get all that via many a seven-day codes or this or that. But if you would like a customized pre-show, intro, trailer reel, and controversial post-film discussions, <laughs> all you have to do is head over to screen, uh, patreon.com slash screenland, become a member of their Screenland film family. And if we're talking Patreon, we're talking film family. Hey, pallies. Our latest Patreon pally here is someone that is actually very familiar mm-hmm. with Screenland, someone that is a member of the film family from there. Absolutely. And someone that if, um, as we have been, you see him out and about, an advocate of cinema here in Kansas City. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. One of the uh, cinema's biggest allies. It will be the filmmaking, just the theater, theatrical experience, mm-hmm. Justin Gardner. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. I sincerely, and listen, we we get to interact. We see Justin's a friend. Uh And so thank you, Justin, for that first and foremost. But also is, like I said, we're not, I mean, we're waxing his car, obviously. But no, sincerely, he does a lot for the Kansas City scene here. The yes, scene. He I hate to say the scene, but the, 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 the film Kansas community. City community. Yeah, he's a, he does a lot of uh, uh, pulling the, not the strings, but he's pulling back the curtain. Mm-hmm. And he's doing a lot of uh, big plays and things that like really help out the film making industry, the film going industry here in Kansas City because it's a burgeoning good scene. And he's definitely part of that. Oh, yeah, and a filmmaker himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also a yoga enthusiast. <laughs> And also a genre enthusiast. Uh, he's been at many a Friday Night Fright. Uh, he's been at many of a weird screening that we've been at. Yeah. And also a member of the Film Society, KC. Mm-hmm. So check that out. And again, sincerely, Justin, thanks a lot for the support. Yeah, now You're fucking rad. He, as always, as always. Now, of course, if you would like us to wax your car a little and plug and promote a few things. And of course, get access to some pretty good content, I'd like to think. Mm-hmm. Become a member of our film family by heading over to patreon.com slash Nightmare Junkhead. The commentaries are fun. I've really enjoyed ours, and I'll say this here in the month of December, 
Uh, technically, we're going off script, but we were planning this from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Our commentary will be 1974's Black Christmas. <laughs> he sees you when... I was I was like, okay, uh, where do I start on this? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He watches you while you're down the quad or you're walking by the lake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. If you pick up the phone, you're gonna die. <laughs> a long way to get through that my friend <laughs> i promise that will be minimal on a commentary because we want to kind of push and promote that. just at the start and then we're done although on the black christmas blu-ray that i have uh the guy that voices billy mm-hmm. the commentary track is him as billy it's i got through about 20 minutes of it and i had to stop that would be rough i'd be rough you know hats off to you if you can get through that but ours will be nothing but a love fest mm-hmm. hello Hello. Hello. The Diamond Dallas Page sweater she's sweater, wearing. The big Mono's Hands of Fate one. Getting kids all <laughs> schnackered. It was a great movie. Well, I once said I couldn't do a commentary for that because I'm afraid I would just either just fall just watching it or it would just be constant. Like our first commentary we did for Return of the Living Dead where it was just nothing but us just slobbing the... the yeah. You know what? Of uh, James Karen. If you like this job. <laughs> <laughs> Typical government fuck up. Exactly. Yeah, so much good stuff there. So come on over, head on over. But did mention we're here in the month of December. Mm-hmm. And listen, a lot of people do the December. This is not a unique thing. There's an anthology out there called December. Yes, there is. Which provided, I think, Genius's one of his greatest Panic Fest memories. It was definitely a memorable, it burned into my brain Panic Fest memory. But this was definitely something we've been planning and really cycled through a number of films. But we wanted to devote the month of December to our favorite films with death in the title. Mm -hmm. And oh my goodness. There is a lot of wonderful shit. It was kind of eye-opening when I realized the number of films that we had to choose from. With death in the the title. But also the number of really good films with death in the title. Mm -hmm. So it was kind kind of hard to put together. But we definitely put together our list here. Now, I will say we've got three episodes this month devoted to that. And then, of course, our last uh, episode will be our best of, Mm -hmm. which we do have some good stuff. Yeah. But Death Proof. Death Proof, Death Proof, Death Proof. This is a great way to kick it off, though, man. This movie, I enjoy the shit out of. High octane. But before we get into that film proper, because here on the show, we focus horror Horror exclusive, uh-huh. horror adjacent, right? But horror mostly, mm-hmm. and quite honestly, outside of this and from *Dust Till Dawn*, Tarantino doesn't really, you know, not associated with horror, right? So we don't get the opportunity to talk about him. And let me just say this: as someone now forty-four years of age, mm-hmm. I came about the right time, age-wise, to be introduced to Tarantino for his films to be exciting mm-hmm. at that age when I was in my early 20s uh, heck I was actually take that back I was even in my teens I remember my buddy Brian Dolney a friend of mine sadly passed away last year was the one that introduced me to Reservoir Dogs and it was just like this whole cinematic world opening up to me and of course eventually I was able to backtrack and realize oh he's kind of an homage no he's just a guy that likes to likes this and that and, and loves puts it right back 70s. out there right yes. right but it was very momentous because that's when i i'm not going to say i discovered cinema or anything like that it's way pretentious but a lot of doors were opened yeah and it was really cool it was exciting well it was an, like you said it was an interesting time then because i'm like maybe about a year or two younger mm-hmm. than you so i was like introduced to tarantino when all the buzz about pulp fiction came out oh, yeah. and then reversed engineered and then I, I don't know why like you said it was something that i wasn't used to like i wasn't fully steeped in that side of the 70s yet and to see that front and center like wow what's this what's this there's magic in the air there's what's this there's sleazy everywhere you know and so it's like it was just kind of like a revelatory thing, especially when you go back and look at these cool, that cool crime pick, Reservoir Dogs, and just the snappy dialogue. And the, But it also came at that time when you had an emerging crop of these filmmakers that just all of a sudden at the same time popped up and were everywhere. You'd have the Tarantinos and the Robert Rodriguez and the, and the uh, Kevin Smiths. Oh, yeah. And they were all doing these indie-style filmmaking 
that was not only like a new kind of way that you saw movies like clerks is fucking phenomenal right but just like this go get it attitude and let's put this shit out that we want to see a unique vision and like you said when you're young and you see something like all that stuff come out you can't help it i think that's those group of cats helped kind of usher me into like let's see what's more outside of the cinemaplex and let's go look in the deeper dives and let's check all that stuff out so yeah no he's fucking i'm not an apologist because like we know everybody's not everything he does is a fucking 100 percent wonderful sure. but everything from tarantino i've seen i've enjoyed and i've seen everything he's done so. well and that's just i remember seeing pulp fiction in the theater for mm-hmm. the first time and you know when they get up there's the freeze frame the music kicks in the credits start rolling i was adrenaline was kicking in yeah i me- remember being excited and I was confused. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was laughing hysterically. Um, I'm like, oh, my God, it's John Travolta. Like, yeah. this is a guy I haven't seen since Look Who's Talking. Doing dark shit. Really like, dark. <laughs> helping to revive a person who's OD'd so he doesn't get <gasps> shot. And he's assassinating that, everybody. That, moment in that the was theater. intense. That was intense. I remember hearing that was like the nascent days before the Internet. And you heard people reacting like someone passed out at the screening, and uh, you know, at Sundance. It had hype. It had danger to it. Danny DeVito produced it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. If it's good enough for the trash, man, it's good enough for all of us. He had his finger on the pulse of what was cool. Mm-hmm. And that's what Tarantino was. He was just cool. But what I think I love first and foremost, though, is much like an Adam Green and Joe Lynch and all those cats, he's he's a fa- he's a fan. He's a fanboy. Yeah. First and foremost, and he, he loves, wears that. Yeah, he loves what he loves, and he's not afraid to tell you about it. No, and he just puts it in his own little unique little filter, mm-hmm. and out comes the dialogue. That's the one thing that, from the get-go, everyone has talked about Tarantino. You go back to the um, Siskel and Ebert. They did an entire episode devoted, like the Tarantino generation, which was incredible. And the dialogue, the dialogue, it's what you talked about. Mm-hmm. It's... You know, not too often in a movie did you hear people talking about Madonna. And it in just, your crime movie. Exactly. In your hardcore gangster crime movie. They're of which. Soliloquying about 80s videos. Of, and of which we don't see the heist. We just see the aftermath. Like all the big action set pieces that people flock to the theaters for. Normally, mm-hmm. in a blockbuster film, null and void in this. Yeah. It's all the characters. I think that's probably the first time maybe I was introduced to like Harvey Keitel. Yeah, same. And Steve Buscemi and all yes. those kids. Ca- Tim Roth. And the rare film with Harvey Keitel where you don't. Don't see Dong. Exactly. <laughs> he he really, he reigned him in. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Quentin, do you think in this film, this scene, uh, maybe I should. Uh, no, 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 Dong. Now, you want to do barefooted, that's fine. But no, 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 no. Oh, good Lord. But yeah, no. Oh, God. Buscemi. Yeah. S- uh, all of those character actors. That's when I really started noticing the work of Sally Menke who is uh, the late, great Sally Menke, who is his editor right up to, I think, around The Hateful Eight, right around that time, mm-hmm. and the way that she could make his narrative work because it was the non-linear yeah. thing that you would see in all of his films. And that became, which we'll get to... The Tarantino style. He had a very much a style. Mm-hmm. And whether he was borrowing liberally <laughs> or creating his own thing, it was just exciting uh, I remember seeing Jackie Brown in the theater for the first time. Me too. And I remember a, a lot of people walking away disappointed because it wasn't Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And I had a conversation recently with a friend and I was like, you know what? I'm never afraid to put that as like my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, mm-hmm. especially now as I've gotten a little bit older and I'm really starting to identify with some of the, you know, these things <laughs> that these characters are going through. How long has it been since you've watched Jackie Brown? It's been maybe about uh two years after it came out in the theaters. <gasps> it's been that long? Yeah. yeah. You really need to revisit it. I do. I need to go back. I mean, I, I, I've seen Hateful Eight more than I've seen all the other movies oh, of his. Oh, my goodness. I challenge you because there's a moment in there between Samuel L. Jackson and Robert Forrester when they're driving along and he turns on his radio and it's the Delphonics. He's like, you like the Delphonics? And Robert Forrester's got this, they're pretty good. Just this great drill delivery. It's wonderful. Uh, so, uh, not to go on too much of a tangent, but again, we don't get to talk about these things normally on the show. Unless it's dusk till dawn, and then that's Rodriguez. And in which case, I have to really rein you in to oh, make yeah. sure. Go go to our Nerds and Nostalgia live episode. Where, where I am. Hey, 
cats are on sale on that episode. Yeah, felines are flying everywhere in that one. <laughs> All sorts. Like black ones, white ones, nalga hide ones, like wet ones, smelly ones, snapping ones. All so- <laughs> it's like the Forrest Gump. All right, moving on. No, Tarantino. No, 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 <laughs> so, but a, an unabiding love of cinema, but a spe- specific type of cinema, one easily summed up in one word, Grindhouse. Mm-hmm. And the brief history of Grindhouse films, go and check out. There's many a documentaries. Best feature on the pieces Blu-ray is that 42nd Street documentary. Gosh, so good, so good. Old school goodness. But when you think of Grindhouse, if I even say the word Grindhouse, what do you think of? Dirty gritty grimy hardcore like not necessarily pornographic but almost ex- very exploitative Bullshit. like everything you're going to see in a grindhouse is some sort of exploitation and in cinema that's great you know and like especially if you like that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. i do listen i mean we're 250 episodes in of a horror podcast right where occasionally we have to defend our love of things again horror adjacent genre we we love all of it. Yep, exactly. I love, you know, my favorite New York is Dirty New York. And some of the best horror movies come from that exploitation. Now, now not all of everything is great. No. But for the most part. Well, and that's just it. Listen, there are some, a lot of these films were sold on like maybe one or two set pieces in a movie where they would do things that occasionally would probably endanger lives. A lot of lives. Because <laughs> like you said, a lot of these films were low budget. Mm-hmm. Therefore, maybe they didn't have a lot of supervision. They didn't have a lot of permits potentially. Right. A lot of illicit things going on, which added to kind of the taboo nature of the films. But you also had to get through a lot of dreck occasionally. And then a lot of just just dialogue mm-hmm. that sometimes wasn't necessarily well written if you only got two set pieces you got to pad that time somehow <laughs> and sometimes with actors that aren't necessarily the best ones around but it adds to the charms of the movies and that's why we i think keep going back to a lot of those movies mm-hmm. and why a lot of them serve as almost like dare films uh class of 1984 not necessarily grindhouse but that's one of those films that it just it seems dangerous maniac miss 45 mm-hmm Oh my goodness. Those are the movies that video nasties almost, but have that grindhouse feel. Mm-hmm. Dirty, I think, is the best way to describe them there. So when we found out that Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino were going to put together a grindhouse double feature, I was stoked. I was stoked as shit. Where their movies, where they're going to, as if they haven't been obvious enough with their love the of love movies. love of 70s and 80s movies. Let's just Make, see what they can do. And we'll eventually maybe get around to Planet Terror, which I will argue is more of a canon homage, like canon films, yeah. than a grindhouse for the most part. That's my argument. I, I I would like to subscribe to your newsletter on that one. Also, I think kind of more of a John Carpenter homage as oh, well. Oh, definitely. I think yeah. there's a John. I think that's not necessarily grindhouse, but a, yeah. a love letter to a lot of different yes. directors. Yes. But the one that I think got it right was Tarantino. Yeah. Because Death Proof has one set piece in the first 50 minutes and then what basically becomes a set piece the last 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie is almost two hours long. It is a long movie and there is a lot of dialogue in this movie. And we were talking off mic. Without a doubt, do you think this might be his most indulgent movie? I think this is the most, aside from time jumps, this is the most pure Tarantino movie that there ever is. I think this is like the boiled down essence of Tarantino. It starts off with a film by Quentin Tarantino, Beat, you know, and so like that's <laughs> that's what you got. I mean, and it's set the lo- it's set in the. S- now but it feels like the 70s the look of it the set the, the, the fact that they went by hand and scuffed up the film itself to give it that grimy look it's i was looking at that and i'm like wow this is a great homage Thai west style you know aside from like the fact that they're using cell phones and shit like that at the same time the way it looks the way it feels i was like i'm watching some uh, I'm waiting for Burt Reynolds to pop up out of nowhere fucking Stoker you know just like something like that so is this Ty West done right I wouldn't say done right but yeah because he'll done still right. come after you yeah <laughs> it was done differently in a better way well what I love about it is the fact that he basically took two specific genres 
the slasher genre and the car exploitation and made his grindhouse film mm-hmm. and that's what you get and the the film plays as kind of two distinctly different movies it is two totally different movies to the fact where there was a point in time where i was like oh yeah this is the same movie still you know (laughs) because it moves such just a hard switch to the next set of girls and we spend such a long time on both sets of girls it's almost like i said it's almost two different movies and it's almost to the point here's the thing (laughs) i love tarantino i love this movie but of course sometimes Especially when you're thinking grindhousey, you want a little bit more punch, mm-hmm. and I think that's what a lot of people were expecting. Although there was a point where I was like, "Wow, there's a lot of conversation. There better get to something a little bit of action," and then boom, and all of a sudden, action's like, "Okay, I know you're ready. Let's do it," you know. But the dialogue between everybody was just kind of like the first part was almost mesmerizing, and then the second part, I was like. I know what's coming up. I was more like, all right, let's get let's get going. Let's get going. Let's get going. Yeah. You know? Because I, I was ready. But this movie, this watch, cemented my love for Zoe Bell. She is so fucking charming in this movie. And just like, when she pops up, I'm okay. Wonderful. She's so charismatic and is actually one of my favorite bits in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Randy? Her relationship with stuntman Mike, as it turns out, potentially. Mm-hmm. No, she just pops off the screen yeah. in this movie. And the fact that his relationship with her through Kill Bill, he realized that she could probably carry a segment of this movie. Also, the fact that she does her own stunts. Absolutely. <laughs> and demanded to. Yeah. And the stuff she does. I've seen this movie multiple times. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Multiple times. I have shrieked like a little kid with a skin knee when she does her little 360 on the hood of the car. Yeah. After by, the bump. After, and no straps. No, yeah, nothing. And you're like, nothing. holy shit. And then she, when she's grabbing onto the uh, hood, just just the hood, you're like, holy shit. You know, that is a tense movie. We're, we're talking about the end. There's still a lot of oh. stuff going back in there. But she does so good in this. She's like one of the out of the murderer's row oh. of actors that they have in this movie. To me, she stands out as the shining star. No, she she definitely walks in pace with everyone. Do you think she could be a modern day Rothrock? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. She's because she does. Have, it's the charisma. It's mm-hmm. the fact that she just you you cannot help but just like her. Yeah, you want to hang out with her. You want to watch her do backflips and these crazy things that you in your mind are going, "What are you doing?" But she's like, "I'm fine. <laughs> I'm okay." Did you see that movie, Ray's? No, you've told that was a Panic Fest film, wasn't mm-hmm. it? It's really good. It's basically like a modern day women in prison movie when she's like the lead. But like they're, these, <laughs> there's this cult led by Cheryl Lynn Finn and Doug Jones, right? <laughs> Without makeup? Right. Nice. Yeah. They run this cult where, not cult, this prison where they kidnap women and they make them fight for like rich people's amusement. And like, or they'll be right right and she kind of leads rebellion and gets out it's zoe bell's like starring vehicle it's really good it's really good the fight scenes are great because she like her and her team choreographed it all so it's hardcore shit i need to seek this out Mm -hmm. if it has the genius seal of approval there i know i i think she acquits herself very well now but we'll go to the first half first half of the film which for me does play like the slasher portion yeah to the point that the first appearance of stuntman mike when he's driving by and he locks eyes with um, uh, uh, Arlene, mm-hmm. played by, say her name, um, Vanessa Ferlito. <laughs> Vanessa Ferlito. Who they lock. I love Vanessa <laughs> Ferlito. I, she, I, was, I was kind of baiting you there. I know. I, so. lo- I, was, I was trying to a little bit restrain. I love Vanessa Ferlito. I was a fan of hers when I was watching uh, um, CSI New York. And I was like, oh, it's Vanessa Ferrito. That initial scene, especially this watching this this time viewing, I was just like, it's like the shape mm-hmm. in Halloween. Be-da-da-da. That's all that was missing. Yeah. And he even has his own theme music, that Baby It's You by Smith, which is a great fucking song. Again, another Tarantino. Back to the essence of Tarantino, the check mark. Oh, yeah. Let, got, you know what? Let's go. Let's really, make, a, yeah, let's yeah, make, let's a make the checklist here. So we have on the, the, the bingo card, actually. Mm-hmm. That, that's a bingo. Bingo. So we said, first and foremost, we've got the snappy dialogue. Uh-huh. Check. Okay. I would say check. Um, uh, cavalcade of character actors. Uh, check. Mm-hmm. 
Young and old. Uh-huh. Um, and then we would have great music. Oh, the set. Sa- I listen. The soundtrack I, is a fucking amazing. I don't know if this is the soundtrack. best one he's put together, but this one is pretty darn good. Yeah. I think it's, for me, the best one would probably be Reservoir Dogs. I think that's the my more memorable one, but I think this this one, just the diversity, but it feels like great. the fully loaded jukebox. It is so good. It is so good. I mean, like like Smith. Mm-hmm. I mean, because of Tarantino, I've discovered so many cool songs and good songs. And how many good, cool movies. Right. You do a lot of backward and reverse engineering with Tarantino. That's a checkmark. Unabashed love for uh, old films. Old films. How about old aged movie stars there we go um the only one that i would think the outliner that wouldn't be in this movie would be um time jumps no there is a time jump yeah yeah absolutely and last but not least are there feet yes feet there are a lot like i said a film by quentin tarantino feet the fact that jungle julia's legs are all over billboards the fact that kurt russell licks fucking uh oh, rosario dawson's feet Lord. and here's the thing i don't get it i mean like if that's your thing that's your bag cool awesome but to me feet are weird and gross i don't like so i don't understand to every time i think of tarantino i think of like that scene with Quagmire, like, what, you don't like feet? Everybody likes feet. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's what I see him as in his foot fetish. Oh. Good for him letting his freak, fleek, frag, freak flag fly. But at the same time, you don't have to rub our faces in it, Tarantino. You you had your fun with Salma and from dusk till dawn. You should be good. That should be like the crown fucking jewel. No, man, I didn't direct that myself, man. Okay, that was Robert's thing. <laughs> he told me to do that. We open up with there's so much foot in this movie. Even the fact during the gore scenes, there's oh. feet. Guaranteed. Oh, boy. He kept that prop. You know he fucking kept that prop. No. He's like, hey, 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 listen to Katera. I, I, I got to pay your ass. You know, what do you guys do with all the props when you're done? Well, we usually like recycle or throw them away. So, like, are you gonna use all the body parts? And like, yeah. Well, I, what happened to the foot? You know, just like. Here's also, what I want to do. I want to recreate Maniac. Also noted the fact that yeah, Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger worked on the effects for the movie. So the practical effects. They're great in this. Oh this my god! Fucking shocking. The kills that happened in this movie. Even the first. Even the first kill where we get Rose McGowan getting like curb stomped in the fucking with the dashboard when she comes back up and her teeth are all gone and she's Horrible. all she's all horrid and gruesome she's got to go to a mortician to get fixed up do i look suspicious <laughs> but like <laughs> well and this is as we said it's a slasher movie and instead of a knife instead of an axe instead of a hook or anything like that we have a car a dope ass car and i'm not even a gearhead but that car is slick I, I was the only thing that was missing was a honk honk honk, honk. right uh, restraint for Tarantino because I love the car man that's probably the best movie of 1977 man eh, 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 eh. I was waiting for that I, I was would, waiting for that I was kind of waiting for that but the thing that we had to wait for was the violence because we do spend a lot of time with these characters mm-hmm. and because we spend a lot of time with the characters we kind of care about them a little bit and we do learn that it's uh Shanna Banana not Shauna Banana and we talked about the indulgence of Tarantino in this movie. Feet and ass. Feet and ass. That's about this half this movie is, is feet and ass. I mean, I ain't mad, but I'm just saying it's like... It's, it, it's he, gratuitous. He's got a leering camera oh, and like is. a lot of ass shots. I mean, a lot... There For being no nudity, it felt dirty. You know what I'm saying? Even like... In the honky-tonk down in Mexico. And I'm like, oh, it's perrito, right? But it still felt dirty. I was like... <laughs> you know what? It's dirty? Yep, Grindhouse. Okay. They did a, they did a, they he did did a good, good job. Yeah. There you go. The first half is super grindhouse scene with the look and the feel, and then it goes to black and white for a second. And I was like, is this a Kevin Smith movie? Because they're waiting They're waiting outside of the quick stop, right? I'm waiting for like, noise, 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 right? <laughs> fucking Jay walks by. Sup, baby? I get all pissed off and shit. Technically, Rosario Darson is That's in. That's true. I was like waiting for her to go. I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> oh my goodness! Now and it just and then from then it turns into another kind of grindhouse exploitation without the filth and grit. And that was an interesting directing choice that I was like, 
I didn't even notice it until the switch for a second. It almost seemed natural that it went into black and white. It was weird. I'm telling you, it's the work of Sally Menke. She was the glue to all of Tarantino's films mm-hmm. because he's got a weird vision. And a lot of his movies are non, non-linear. non Yeah. And to be able to put that and make it work the way it does. And with this movie especially, because you have weird cuts and weird edits. You and have multiple dialogue shifts and different scenes but again that adds to that grindhouse charm because a lot of the movies were like that it's i really think this one is more authentic because Mm -hmm. you spent and now listen not all these older films were written by tarantino so again sitting through some of it is not as enjoyable right but the indulgence not only with the butt and the feet but he has a habit of repeating himself with a lot of his lines and i'm not talking like callbacks but i'm talking like I'm not going to say Quentin Tarantino is repeating himself in this movie, but Quentin Tarantino is repeating himself in this movie. And I mean, it is all over the movie and all of the characters are doing it, which I will say this now. I love the all female, all it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's still all written by Tarantino and as in touch as with his femininity as he may be, these all still sound like tarantino just talking out of you know Other our female people, character's yeah. mouths mm-hmm. and again that's not a knock on it but, but it's they just, did great though i mean oh, I they love- yeah it, no it, it's it was a lot of tickety talk and there was parts where i was like okay that's enough tickety talk let's get to the smash well, you smash also now that i'm a little bit older with the youngins now and all their their shenanigans at the bars and this and that i'm just like oh come on guys just make better decisions what are y'all doing with the shots oh come on you know that's just not a good idea I can't say much shit about that because, you know, I'd be partying right there with him if I had the <laughs> chance and opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Even back in the day. You all remember back in the day, Jay? Oh, yeah. I, I remember him right there. With, yeah. Yeah. People remember, going, you, you okay? You yeah. Okay. Yeah. You remember back in the day, Jay. You know I would have been partying. But I'll tell you what. that I've been to the Texas Chili Parlor. Oh, really? Uh-huh. It Half of it looks just like it is. There's no back porch. But the interior looks very, 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 yeah. Very nice. Very mm-hmm. nice. Do they have a good jukebox? They do have a good jukebox. And so, if I remember correctly. I'm trying to remember correctly. So but this it's been is a minute. I was going to say, was this the time when you would have uh, maybe again been partying? I de- I have because I'm in Austin. I'm going up and down Sixth Street. Yeah, it's this That's was fair. a party day. The little shout out where we had the uh, the draft house mm-hmm. there. You saw a shot of it. I saw both. Yeah, Did we you? saw the, in saw, the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is a, this movie is a celebration of Austin mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And what I love is the fact that. When eventually we finally, when we meet Stuntman Mike and we were, okay, hold on. Let me see how long we are into the show because I think I've shown restraint that we are 36 minutes in. We haven't even talked about Kurt Russell. I haven't talked about his hair, his clothing, the way he's wearing it, the way way he eats his nachos. Stuntman Mike houses and just houses those nachos, (laughs) loves him some nachos. I watch him eat. I, he, he two fists it. At yeah, one does. point, I'm talking nachos in both hands, and licking. Yeah, the, the, he's three knuckles deep in his mouth on some of them, and you're just like, God damn! And he's way- making love to those nachos. I want nachos. I felt like I was watching something like pre work he does for Goldie, like just a really intimate moment there. Like he was imagining that was Goldie Hawn. That he was. It was. I felt like I was watching something I shouldn't be. Like it was just that intimate. But yeah, it was. Did it make you want some nachos? It. it, it those nachos look like it was worth the risk. Even with his rings on and everything. And he's just letting it like, so uh, give me direction. Pretend their feet. No, 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 no. That's, okay. I, that's not my thing, Quentin. It's not my thing. But he is, he's Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. And he's I don't. scary. He, oh, he's well. scary. That's what I like about Kurt Russell. He mm-hmm. can be the most charming guy in the world, in the room. But yeah, he can turn on a dime. And that charm just turns to just churning your guts. And that's what Stuntman Mike is. But. We were talking about this. We've already mentioned our ages here. We're a little bit older than maybe some of you might be the same age. You know, maybe we're the young whippersnappers. But as I grow older, you know, perspectives change and my experiences alter everything. And first time I saw this, I was probably idolizing Stuntman Mike more Mm -hmm. than anything. Well, this time, I, no, that I should say that I was admiring him as a crazy slasher villain. Right. I don't want to say idolize horrible. But this viewing, I went from admiring him as a slasher villain to just going, oh, feeling the relevance of being out of touch. Kind of relate. Not necessarily the stuff I enjoy being picked up on by the youngsters. There's this conversation in this movie where when I first saw it, it's the conversation when he's describing all of the movies that he's been in. Mm-hmm. 
when I first saw it, I was like the girls at the bar where I'm like, I haven't heard of what are you talking about, old man, right? Now looking at this, I'm like, I'm realizing what Stuntman Mike was like, you guys have no clue what I'm talking about. I can't even believe, I can't even count the times how many times I've talked about old movies and shit, and people look at me like, no, I do. don't know what you're talking about at all. So I was like, <laughs> I get you, Stuntman Mike, as I walk away, baby, it's you, and like slowly creep away. I think there's a little Stuntman Mike in all of us. Yeah, and I'm not going to lick any feet in the parking lot, though. No. Try not to lick any feet in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> They'll always come together that way. <laughs> 37 to 36 times. I'm 42nd Street. <laughs> Jesus. But this movie gives us a lot. And even like the interaction between Stuntman Mike and the girls. No, no. I'm going to go back to the way he is just. He looks good. Dude, this is 2007 Kurt Russell. I'm sorry. Even with the scar, he looks badass. You know me. He's on my Mount Rushmore yeah, of man he crushes. He's just. And the way he's introduced is cool. The, the 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 jacket he's wearing. Mm-hmm. I was I was kind of looking for an Atari patch on there, but I realized he's a man, so he's got you know Icy Hot and all of right. his his sponsorships. But probably an, an Icy Hot came with the pack. Hey, you know what? He's, you, he's not only in that you know, he's a, but he's I'm also a user. client. Right? <laughs> well, and the way he's presented is just almost like a dinosaur. Um, Eli Roth's character is like, did he cut himself getting out of his time machine? Yeah, which What's up a Stoker Ace, you know, which. Let's just say it. He's he and his buddies were the ones that should have gone down. They should have gone. You yeah, know, they should have like they should have went. But it, it it was weird that whole aspect of it because you forget that you're in present day mm-hmm. during oh. that scene because you have Rose McGowan who like definitely looks like she's from the sixties and seventies, right? You have Jungle Julia and her crew again, totally seventies outfits, and but they were for present day. Yeah. Then you have Stuntman Mike coming in like Stuntman Mike. So you forget that it's what, 2000, mm-hmm. 2000 something. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And then when they talk about it, like, Oh yeah. Time. You're like, Oh yeah, we are in present day. So I don't know if that's a credit to Tarantino. The fact that we forget what time period we're in. He even, he, we see cell phones and primitive texting. So the fact that that doesn't take you out of the film, because then people will go, ha, 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 such weird, silly technology. You're like, no, no, no. I'm still embraced in the movie. Mm -hmm. No, that's a credit to it. It's a credit to the characters, the buildup, the whole thing of um, Stuntman Mike and his book. You're okay in my my book, book. but I'm going to put you under chicken shit. And that's what pushes her. But let me just say. That was a good thing, though. The chemistry between the two of them. was pretty palpable. Especially when he calls her out, like just the con- and that's what I love is the connection initially. Like when they're looking at each other and he's just going through. When she sees the car for the first time, when he pulls Baby, on the light, it's you. It when just kind of drives away. I love it when the the light reveal. It's almost like uh, the shape mm-hmm. showing up. Very uh, all of those things. The build. I really was really digging it. And like much like Jason in Friday the Thirteenth. He's uh, brought in with a storm because, you know, it's raining and everything. Mm-hmm. So all those little elements, I think, were coming together. I think that's what turned. Again, that's my reading of it because I really enjoy. I love the entirety, but I loved the slower buildup of the first half. Me too. It was so good. Yeah, it did. And then like it worked up so well. And then you have something so bombastic. And here's the thing where I'm saying I love this movie and I really dig it. But I do got to say the first part of the second half. Like, I was like, okay, let's get to the, let's, 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 I don't need to hear about everybody's love life, you know, let's get to some illicit, you know, ET behind the scenes, which is fine. But, you know, it just seemed like, you know, insider information that it, all right, we already know these characters are badasses. Let's get to some badassery. But at the same time, they did great. Oh, I mean, cause it's fucking Mew. I mean, and the whole story that they go to, to get to the car and picking up Zoe Bell. Meanwhile, again, you're on this journey with him to the point you forget that stuntman Mike is leering in the corners until like, oh yeah, he is watching them yep. with the camera. Yep. You know, like, cause you're kind of, I was kind of engrossed, but of course it was Rosario Dawson with those Austin Van Perella va- bangs and like Mew and Vanessa Frito and all sorts of stuff. It's a great cast. Oh, the cast is killer. But even in the grindhouse style, when you have the guest stars, like the famous people that have shown up in other movies kind of reprising their a la chopping mall or mm-hmm. other grind, other things like that you have um 
the sheriff and his number one son michael parks the late great michael parks so good so good with the just expedition like he's probably getting hard on just trying to run him down you know now do you think actually if we could have crossed the universe with tin to midnight chuck norris would have had like a like a you know thing a little jack for the uh, the car right it's been jacking, jacking off, off. Well, there was a deleted scene that um had kurt russell after he kills the first one just kind of pounding it in the car just like ah interesting but, like they're like uh, tarantino's like this might be too much so they cut. glad he reined him in then yeah. that's good well the the so we kind of skipped into the next group of girls but we kind of skipped the why we go to the next group of girls because the girls that we were with are dead horrifically the build-up to this i mean literally where he's he races like from behind mm-hmm. gets ahead waits lights out starts gunning the engine the tires are peeling i mean it's a it's a build-up yeah then the release it, it, i guess technically it's the foreplay into his and then his release wow and it, it was a scary Ugh. scary shot because that's horrible. a scary thing it because i'm not saying that it can happen but it could oh, happen to anyone you know? to anyone and then the fact that he made sure that he wasn't drinking so it's like they're drinking and it mm-hmm. happens so all point to them but the way they shot it, they could have just did a one and done and like showed all the gruesome aftermath. But the fact that we get four different shots of each girl getting horrifically, horrifically it like escalates. Apart. It's incredible. And this is where the gore from K and and B, not right. K and B. And like we said, it's in your face. It's shocking. And Vanessa Ferlito's character oh my goodness it gets the tire it's almost like the car it's it's almost like um a gr- one of those things that you see in driving school where it's like don't drink and drive or Blood this will happen right on the highway alice's adventures through the looking glass or the decapitation of larry ledfoot you know or something like that yeah because like it's so graphic it's, it's so violent and looks so real indulgent yes well the realness again that's what works and we built up and that happens about 50 minutes in mm-hmm. and then again we get the characters we previously saw from planet terror and we have the connective tissue and you know the next if i catch them again here in texas lebanon tennessee right so it's like aha and again we get into our next group of characters and it is a little bit more inside hollywood definitely uh but this is where we get zoe bell mm-hmm. and i'll take all that kind of inside hollywood yeah i the fact that the second part of the film is really built around vanishing point, which is, and I've seen that same. I, I love the trailer. I love the mythology and the mythos, but it's, a, I can't wait to finally see it, mm-hmm. but that's another one that I reverse engineered from this film. Yeah. But the fact that he was able to get, um, buddy Joe hooker, a very famous driver to do all the crazy stunt work in the movie was like a dream for him. It was like a kid in a sandbox and you can see it in the way he shoots everything in like the climax of the movie such a tense tense it's thing crazy because it's real uh-huh there is no cgi yeah. there is no like camera trickery this is all in camera george miller style yes it's and i don't want to say the danger adds to it but it does add it really to it does. it really does because you know that the person that you're talking to is doing this stunt it's not a stunt double it's no. it's her yes. and that adds a lot to like holy shit it adds a lot more realism to this movie and in fact again like you said we spent so much time with the first group of girls that we care about her care about them and we don't want to see them dead mm-hmm. the same oh, thing my we spent so much time with with Abernathy and Zoe Bell and Mew you know that we don't and, and Tracy that we don't want to see them dead either and tracy gave some of the best lines in the movie they were the funniest shit she got the samuel l jackson lines yeah she did yeah she did and the fact when she's so afraid the tears are coming down and then like and meanwhile the tears are still in her face like let's kill this motherfucker right i was like yes when they go after i oh, was cheering when zoe bell jumps in and like she's riding a horse with the lance with that big metal pole i was fucking stoked i was like get that motherfucker especially when they come out and he goes i was only playing pop, pop. and like good 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 well, fuck him up fuck him up what i love with this though is such a 
character reversal then for what has been built up as stuntman Mike. Because it turns into a bitch. Just like, oh, why, why, why? And here's the thing. It's weird to see Kurt Russell bitching about a bullet wound because he's Snake fucking Pliskin. He's fucking Jack Burton. Like, he's fucking <laughs> McCready. Like, he's not bitching about a bullet wound. In the If this was any of the those characters, he'd probably pick it out himself and, like, spit at me. I was like, ow, 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 ow. And I'm, again, I'm thinking, like, this man's just got out of the hospital for having so many broken bones, and he's crying like that for a gunshot. Now, I've never been shot. I would imagine I'd probably be like, ow! But at the same time, I'm not going around killing girls. I'm not going around stalking, like, <laughs> not stalking Mew anymore. And, like... <laughs> stop. No, literally, stop. No. <laughs> but but it's just... It was funny to me. Oh, it, it reminded me of... um. Mandy, man, I'll suck your dick, right? <laughs> well, what's funny is I know this was a point for some people. They're like, oh, it ruined the movie for him. I loved it. I thought it added to it because then we want him even more. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're a bitch. Like you talk all t- out of the car. You're a, you ain't shit. It, fuck him up, girls. Fuck him up. And oh boy. They fuck him up. Holy. That was so I do remember watching this in the theater. I did see it. I saw the double feature with had the trailers in between which it was like a four-hour affair and i loved every second of it i actually saw it at screenland armor really i did yeah oh my god that was all yeah it was incredible and it was such a and it was in theater one mm-hmm. and the the trailers and knowing of the three that we had with hobo and the shotgun was that fan made do you have a favorite trailer um don't was a great one wasn't my one of my favorites um and thanks thanksgiving thanksgiving White wheat, dark wheat, all will be carved. <laughs> I love Thanksgiving. And I loved um, don't. I, I I give Eli Roth. I appreciate his work probably more than I like it, but I think Thanksgiving the Thanksgiving trailer is wonderful. Like that's legit, really good work. Now, if Rob Zombie did Elsa, w- Werewolf with, of the Werewolf yeah. of the SS with Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu, I would see that movie and I would probably sing its praises. Would you? What's your track record with Rob Zombie? That's what I'm saying. I would probably. That one looks fucking great. It's Udo Kier. Well, and that's just the best part. The cavalcade of all the character actors, the normal zombie Mm. players for the most part. (laughs) Well, and Zombie, very much like Tarantino, is someone that casts older character actors Mm -hmm. in his movies, introducing them to a whole slew of us youngsters. Right. They're kind of the mirror images of each other in many way because you know people always remember zombies dialogue some some weird harvey dent (laughs) i'd go with that i'd go with that um i remember people cheering you know at multiple points but especially at the ending when there's the freeze frame with them all cheering which is kind of a misdirection because if you wait just a little Little bit longer you just see abernathy's big boot dude that is some Killer Mike action, man. And you know Rosario Dawson could kick your ass. You know what I'm saying? You know she could fucking throw down. Well, she's also a very big fanboy as well. I mean, she's a big old she's nerd. She's great. I love Rosario Dawson. I think she's highly underrated. She Well, I, everyone in this movie is, is highly really underrated. Good. Yeah. Jordan Especially Lamb, Mew. Mew. Well, I feel bad for Mew having to stuck with Jasper. At least it wasn't like, my name is Buck. Even though that's, yeah, that's, that was, was him. Yep. You know, with a pussy wagon. And like... But at the same time, there's a, her, I, her role as, in uh, Birds of Prey last year, underrated. So good. There's, so good. there's this show called um, Brain Damaged that she's in, and it's this weird, it's really good. It's this political show, but it's not a political show. Okay. It's basically a, like set in 2008, I think. Yeah, around right? this time then. All right. Um, and it's right before a big election. Okay. And so... All of a sudden, these and the Mew plays um, like a, uh, a Washington aide for this one of the high priority senators. But meanwhile, this comet crashes to Earth and releases these aliens, alien ants, right? And there's two colonies, and they go into Washington D.C. And in your sleep, they crawl into your head and they eat half your brain and live in the other half. But either and it makes you either a crazy hardcore warmongering Republican or a peace loving, like wacky liberal. And it's these ants and they're trying to fight for 
who's going to be the next king of Earth. Don't blame me. I voted for Kodo. Uh, it's Kodo, so fucking that's crazy. wild. It's wild because you think it's a political show, but it's right. about killer ants eating your brain. Does Alien Ant Farm do the score? I wish. Damn it. Mew, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Mew? She's okay. She's okay. Mew is okay. No, this entire film And she sings was great, okay. too. Does she? She sings in the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That is her. That's her. Yeah. Yeah. Mew, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's <sighs> multi-talented. She is. She's a fan of the sh- fan of her on here on the show. No, I... This was just a blast. I had so much mm-hmm. fun with this viewing, although, again, it could have been probably cut down just a little bit. Could have knocked out 10 minutes, and it would have been great i think it would be lauded as one of tarantino's better ones i mean that's the thing i think this is a very underappreciated tarantino gem oh yeah no and well he i think has said before that it's probably his least favorite film which i I can understand because he's got a really good you know resume to put put together but if i had to put together like um top three you know what i'm gonna put you on the spot what's your top three tarantino death proof Pulp Fiction um, and Hateful Eight. Ooh, that was fast. I'm going to go Jackie Brown, Death Proof. Ooh, and because the experience, Pulp Fiction. The, the, and I saw that movie so many times in the theater. I saw it about three or four times. Oh, I probably saw it that, you know, about as many times as I did Jurassic Park, which was a lot. I had a copy of the script. Oh. And I would read the script. Yeah, I had the the soundtrack. I had the soundtrack. Everything, everything. Same thing with all of his films. They've been celebrations. I've seen every single one in the theater. I saw four rooms in the theater. As did I. I Uh, liked that movie a lot. Right? Antonio Banderas. Don't misbehave. (laughs) (laughs) That that pencil-thin mustache. Mm -hmm. So good, so good. I Listen, it's been... I understand if people don't like Tarantino. I could totally see if people get bored and turned off oh, by yeah. this movie. Even this, because either it's too long or it's really in your face. Yeah. So like, it's 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 not for everybody. It's not intro level Tarantino. No. This is the one that you eventually say, you get into. I wouldn't even say intro level cinema because no. like, no. you know, I'm not I'm not saying that you need to be appreciative or understand the movies that it's aping from. Apes no, a bad word, but, no, you know, no. but at the same time. I appreciate this movie significantly more than when I saw it in the theater back in the day. You know, sure. I'm not saying that I'm more seasoned, but I've definitely seen a lot more movies back then since then. So hell, we got to see the car on the big screen. Tell me that movie would have been perfect if all of a sudden you see the little the stuntman Mike logo with the rubber duck and then honk, 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 honk. <laughs> and then like all of a sudden, like they're as, as they're let's go get that cat. Poo. And then they're running after him. A Tarantino remake of the car. I'll, I'll, I'll watch oh, it. Fuck. Yeah. Well, uh, he apparently he's got Star like, Trek or something in one, mind. Well, he's apparently he's he you know said he's only going to make ten movies. Technically, at this point, he said Kill Bill was volume one and volume two were one, so he's got one final movie. I'm I'm going to go see it, of course. Oh, you know, yeah. and oh, yeah. you know, you know, if it's going to be his final one, awesome. If not, he's got a great filmography, man. Yeah, I mean, they, he keeps saying he wants to make Star Trek. Yeah. He said, he wants, I would see a Star Trek movie. I would like to see what he would do with the sci-fi aesthetics. Uh, I'll go with it. I'll go with it. Now, what were your thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more when it became more Manson-y. You know what I'm saying? When it got a little bit going. I enjoyed the ride and then about the halfway point. At first, I was a little bit lukewarm on it. Again, it starts off great. A little bit in the middle, it slows down, and then it hits hard in the end, like a lot of his movies, but I enjoyed it. I'm well, not going to say it's my favorite. It's one that's really grown on me because the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, like, I'm kind of glad we're getting near the end of the filmography of Tarantino because it just seemed, oh, poor me, you know, I'm no longer relevant. It's Stuntman Mike the movie, basically, mm-hmm. just in terms of holding on to the relevance and, you know, it. it I don't want to make movies in, in t- Italy. Italy. Have you ever seen one of them movies? But it wasn't until the end. And I was also a little uneasy about how they were going to do the thing with Tate, with Sharon Tate. But once the ending kicked I in. I love the ending. Oh, no, no. It won me back. Yeah, it did. And that's when I went and saw it again and was just, ah. And also the fact that Clue Gulliger shows up. Yeah. Put the biggest smile on my face the first time. I was like, oh, you burnt you son of a bitch. He's a mm-hmm. slave. Yeah, it, it was just so good. But. It's one that's kind of grown on me, but like I said, I think I'm going to be, you know, celebrating that final work and then reverse engineering many other films because there are still many more films that he's talked about 
that I still haven't seen. So even he's, you know, like you said, he's made us better musically, movies, he's indulgent, he's not for everybody, but for those that enjoy him, yeah, they enjoy him. Yeah, I enjoy him. I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not going to say everything he does is, is gold. But nope. and like he is very self-indulgent and very self-referenced. For example, like when Abernathy's in the store, her cell phone goes off. You can wink a little at your audience and then you can kind of your face collapse for the audience when you're winking so hard. Yeah, your face usually collapses when you wink and you get a foot in your face. <laughs> Let me tell you about a foot in your face, man. Right. <laughs> Uh, no, I listen. I'm glad, if anything, because I know next week's um, film is going to be a first time viewing for me. Ooh, and I'm you know, and technically, then the final one's going to be a revisit and a first time watch for the remake. Oh, giving something away potentially. Uh huh. But this was a blast to revisit. I'm really glad I did because some of the movies when we're talking about and we're programming, I'm just like, okay, that'll be a fun watcher. Oh, be. I was a little hesitant on this one kind of just riding high from the car viewing i think was uh-huh. why but man this was this, is, this was good yeah this is i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it i'm so curious what your all's thoughts on tarantino what are your top three films where does death proof uh you know rate for you mm-hmm. but uh, we've got other death titles coming up here in death December. so final thoughts on death proof genius i'd say check it out i mean to give it a look especially if it's been a while and you dismissed it back in the yeah. day definitely go back and revisit it i mean What's the worst you can happen? You get strapped to a roof of a car. <laughs> I'm telling you, that shit was wild. Perspective. Wild. Perspective. That's that's what genius brings to the show, and we appreciate <laughs> it. So until the next time we bring a little perspective, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Honk. Honk, honk, honk. honk. honk.